The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Yesterday, we began to look at David's prayer from the cave of Adullam. You may recall in our series on David that we are at a point in his life where he's been acting in faithlessness, and the result of his faithlessness is that he ends up in a cave surrounded by all kinds of ungodly men who are pulling David down spiritually. Whenever we act in faithlessness, we end up in a place like David. And here, even though he was in the midst of a crowd, he felt alone, and he realized that the only hope he had was God. Join us today as we conclude our look at David's prayer from this cave of Adullam, and we see that ultimately he found his only help would come from God. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. In the dark of the midnight, as I walked in my face, while the storm howls above me, and there's no hiding place in the crash of the thunder, precious
you say a child of God can serve the devil? Amen, he can. You don't think you can? Just quit coming to church. Quit reading your word. Quit quit thinking about things of God. Go out there in the world and, and pitch your tent towards Sodom. And the next thing you know, I you know, the devil will leave you alone in many ways. The problem is, child of God, the Lord won't leave you alone. I'd rather have the devil after me than the Lord after me any day, okay? Because <laughs> the Lord can protect me from the devil, but uh, the devil can't get me unless the Lord suffers it the hedge to be removed the point of this is his problems were a little different than david's david wasn't looking around in envy at the world he was just suffering from all the persecutions he'd experienced and many of which he'd brought on himself but this man said my feet were almost gone i mean that means he said my steps had well and i slipped it's like he's hanging on by a thread <laughs> He's only, he hadn't got much left. It's, you know, he's at the end of the rope and he's tied a knot and the, and the knot's fraying. You know, he's about to slip off. But I want you to notice what snapped him out of it too. It's going to be the same thing that's going to snap David out of it. Down in verse 16 of this same verse, he said, When I thought to know this, he said, he said in verse 13, I've cleansed my heart in vain. It's vain for me to serve the Lord. He said, when I thought to know this, verse 16, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. You want to know another good reason to come to church? It'll keep your mind focused on what it ought to be focused on. And it'll, it'll, completely, it'll completely straighten out that, you know, I sometimes think my thoughts are just like a little... You, you ever seen a, a fishing line that's got all tangled up? You know, it kicks back and a little rod and reel, and that thing's just a mess. You ever tried to unravel one of those things? Yeah, it's, it's just about impossible. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like that's what my mind is like. It's, got, it's like that fishing line that's got all tangled up. You know, the only way to fix that fishing line is just cut it off and retie the knot and go forward. That's what church does for you. <laughs> It'll, it'll straighten out that knot. It'll straighten out that knot and that mess in your head. He said, when I came to the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. See, I, what he said, he said, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. Uh, he goes on to say, uh, uh, How are they brought unto desolation? As in a moment. He said, their, their, uh, their fortunes will change just like that, if not in this life, in the life to come. You know what he's doing here? He said, quit looking around. Right. Quit looking around. Look up. Look up. Remember, you know, you say, well, I just haven't got anything good out of this life. Well, what good do you really expect to get out of this life? <laughs> That's not where our hope is. Our hope is not in a mansion on the hill. Our, our hope is in a mansion in heaven, you know. <clears throat> and he says, when I went to church, I began to see and to hear the truth. Going to God's house, going back to the Lord, will fix this. So let's turn back to Psalm 142 as we bring this to a close. And let's quit focusing on David's problems. And now let's look at David's prayer. David's prayer. You remember in Ephesians chapter 6, we talked about the armor. Brother, Brother James Godfrey brought a wonderful introduction the other day about the armor of God. But you remember what the supply line was? It was praying. <laughs> Prayer is a supply line. You know that your, your uh, army is only as good as your logistics. Your, your battle can't be won without the supply of troops and of fuel and of all the things that are necessary to make that, to make that uh, army move. So let's see what David did. The first thing we see he did is he talked to God. He talked to God. 
Notice, notice in verse one, uh, verse one, Psalm one forty-two. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, with my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. Look at verse five. I cried unto Thee, O Lord. <laughs> look at verse, um, look at verse six. Attend unto my cry. Now notice what he's doing here. This was a this this Hebrew word for cry is the word for shout, and it's actually making noise. Now, what he's doing here is he's praying a verbal prayer. He's actually talking to God in a verbal sense. Now, I know we can we can talk silently to God, and I don't I don't ever I don't um, you know I hope you're praying out there as I'm preaching, but I don't want you talking. Okay, <laughs> do it in your mind, do it in your heart. You know you can't be talking while I'm talking. It's not going to do us any good. So you can pray silently, and I love the silent prayers of God's people. But notice that there's times we need to get together with God. We need to get alone, away from everybody else. Jesus went up in the mountain so he could talk to God. Amen. Jesus prayed consistently and vocally during his earthly ministry. Look, look, just, just look over John 11, for example. Notice, notice here in, in, the, in the account here of, um, of Lazarus being resurrected. Look at verse 41. As he goes out there where he was laying, it says, uh, to, to the graveside of Lazarus, it says, Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, they heard him. You see, he was pre praying publicly and vocally, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. <laughs> But because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Notice he's, he's verbally speaking to God. Now that was a public prayer. But turn with me back over to Matthew chapter 26. And let's notice this. This is the most earnest and um, heartfelt prayer that we read about the Lord Jesus Christ ever praying, I believe. And in verse 38 of Matthew 26, He saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying. Say, see, he didn't just think it. He said it. He spoke to God. Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he goes on to pray that prayer at least one or two more times. Jesus prayed verbally. And I believe that it's teaching us something. That's the reason we need a little prayer closet. That's the reason we need, and it may not be a place in the house. You know, you've seen that, that maybe war room. This particular house had a little room, which is where the owner went and prayed. Well, that's a good thing to do. That's a good idea to have a place in your house to go. But you don't have to. You can get out on your back porch. You can go walking in the woods. <laughs> you can be driving down the road. You know, now if you're going to be praying a prayer like David's praying, I wouldn't suggest you drive down the road. Because <laughs> you'll get to the point where you won't be able to see for the tears. But, uh, but you see, he verbally prayed. He vocalized his, his needs and his problems to God. You know, sometimes I, I, hope, I think you get this. But sometimes I feel like I just need to talk to somebody. I just need to, it helps to clarify my problems. I, I've told you this, uh, this before, uh, probably one of the most seminal moments in my ministry was after I had made a decision to go to a church that the Lord clearly was not in the matter, he turns out. And for about three weeks, I struggled with that decision and, and I, I found myself to be in the cave. 
just like David here. Nobody I could talk to. Nobody I, I could. My dear sweet wife, who knew my problems and knew my struggles, I still couldn't tell. I couldn't talk to her. I couldn't. There were times I got to the point where I couldn't pray. I didn't think. I felt like I could just. All I could do was groan before the Lord. And I. So I finally went to the doctor. <laughs> I went to the doctor. And I sat down with the doctor because I was having headaches, heartaches, body aches, you know. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. And I told him all. I said, Doc, I said, listen, my head hurts. My chest hurts. My body hurts. I can't sleep. I'm not doing well. All these things are happening. And, 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 and I think I'm out of the will of God. <laughs> and that's when he stopped writing. And he looked up at me and said, I can't help you with that. <laughs> but you know what? That helped me more than anything else. <laughs> to just verbalize that to the doctor. Can you imagine how much greater a help it is to verbalize it before God? You don't have to come to me. I, I, listen, let me, let me make this as plain as I can make it. You have every right and access to me anytime you need it. I don't care when it is. If it's 3 in the morning, I'm your pastor. If you need to talk to me, I'm here for you. Okay? I don't care. Don't ever. Oh, I'd hate to bother him. He's too busy. I'm never too busy. I mean, I get the call, but as soon as I get it, I'll call you back. I'll get back to you. I'll try to get in touch. I'm always there for you. But we're not like the Catholics, where we believe you've got to come to me and confess your every sin. In fact, I don't. I don't really want you to. Okay. <laughs> I got. I got enough sins of my own to deal with. No, seriously. I mean, I, I don't mean that the way it sounds. If you got a sin or something you're dealing with, you come talk to me about it. You, I'm telling you. That's part of what uh, the job of pastor is all about. But my point is, you don't have, I, I want you to come to me, but, but more than that, I want you to go to God. Because that's where David went. He wasn't sitting there talking to the, to the chief chaplain. <laughs> I don't believe there was a chaplain in this crowd of ne'er-do-wells. He was talking to God. And he verbalized his prayer. And you know, the other problem is this. Just like I told you, you're always welcome to call me. But you know what? Sometimes that cell phone don't have service. Sometimes it's dead. I've had situations I used to wake up just like that when I hear it buzz. I don't always hear it anymore. Well, I go to my wife. I go to my husband. Sometimes can't get to them. I've been to the point where I could not talk and explain it to my dear wife. I've been to that point, even though she's willing there to listen. And, and, and there have been times when she was so distraught that I couldn't really burden her with the problems I had, that I'm the leader of the household. I'm the head of the house. Man, you get that. I'm the head of the house. And I can't show all this weakness, although that's a lie. By the way, you better be showing weakness to your wife, men. You better let them know that, you're, that you need them. But there have been times when they're not there. But you know what the book of Proverbs says? The book of Proverbs says in chapter 18 and verse 24 that there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I'm so blessed to have a brother that I know I can go to and I can talk to about anything. And he can come to me. I'll never forget, and I'm probably sharing a confidence here, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'll never forget one of his dear friends was Elder Obey, who, uh, who was the, the precious pastor of the Primitive Baptist Church in uh, Tanzania. And the day we got word that he died, Tim came up to my office and cried on my shoulder. And, and we wept together. And I'm so thankful for those moments. I'm so thankful for that, that ability to have that brother there. But he's not always there. He's not always available. But guess what? God hears our every earnest 
prayer. You can always talk to God. I love the book of Revelation and what it teaches us, not about things in the future, but about things right here and now. In chapter 5, it says, in verse 6, it says, I beheld, this is the vision now of John. He's being shown this book that no man's able to open. And he wept about it because nobody was able to open and read the book. And I believe that book was just, the, that scroll was just the scroll of redemptive history. The history of God's uh, redemptive acts and what he's doing for his people. And finally, they said, don't weep. The line of the tribe of Judah is able to open it. And it says in verse 6, I beheld it low in the midst of the throne of the four beasts. In the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. What a glorious day that is. What a glorious scene that is that God is, is saying to us through this that my son, Jesus Christ, who is a lion, but yet he's a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He's prevailed and he's taken it. And, and, and in the midst of all this, surely nothing else is important. But he says when he had taken the book, the four beasts, and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Do you notice what he's saying here in this setting? That in the midst of the redemption of his people, the prayers of his saints are important to him? You would think, well, I've dealt with the crucifixion. I'm, you know, that's, that's all I'm going to deal with today. But no, the prayers of God's people are still important to him. We read about in the 8th chapter, I believe it is, where... Uh, in verse 1, it says, uh, says, When he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. What happens during the silence? Well, he goes on to tell us, I saw the seven angels which stood before God. To them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. I feel myself to be such a pitiful prayer. I feel myself to not know, so often to not know what to say in prayer. I don't even know how to pray for you sometimes, much less for me. But I see where there's an angel that takes the prayers of God's people and he pours them out before the Lord. And it says they're filled with their fragrance before, in the nostrils of God. It's not just something that annoys him. Sometimes I feel like I bug him to death. But you know, the, the story about the unjust judge was not to teach us that God is an unjust judge. It was to teach us about the importance of perseverance in praying. He said this woman, this woman knew, uh, she, she kept going to this judge and kept bugging him with her petition. And finally he said, okay, okay, I'm tired of dealing with you. I'll grant it. Just leave me alone. See, the point of that was not to say that's God. God's not the unjust judge that says, oh, please, Chris, just quit bugging me. I'll let you have what you want. That's not what he's saying. He's up there in heaven, in the silence of heaven. He's hearing our prayers. There's a lot going on in heaven. There's a lot happening. The lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world walked up and took the scroll from his hand. In the midst of that, there's a vial with a fragrant incense that is the prayers of God's people. You see, God hears our earnest prayer. That's what he says to us. You know, we, we read this sometimes and we talk about the throne of grace sometimes, but do you realize under, really, child of God, what he's saying in chapter 4 of Hebrews? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, 
For we have not. See, we have a high priest, but here's what he's not, he's fixing to say to us. There's a lot of things he is, but this is what he's not. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Praise God for that. Because I've got so many infirmities. You know, I'm so thankful he's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I think that's what pricked at the heart of that Ethiopian eunuch. That man that was struggling, he was a child of God, born of the Spirit already. I believe that's what pricked at his heart. I've got griefs. I've got sorrows. I've been despised. I've been rejected by men. But we got a Savior that was the same in the same boat as we were. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore. You know what he's saying? When you see therefore, he's pointing us back. Because of this, child of God. Because we have a, a high priest that can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Let us come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He didn't say come slinking up there and try to ease up and not disturb anybody. He said you march right up to the throne of grace just like David did here and you bear your petitions before him because he is interested and he cares for you. And notice that David here was specific in his prayers. I've had this question asked for me, to me before. Preacher, is it okay to pray for specific things? And, and the answer is absolutely Absolutely. I always add the tag. I always add the chorus. Thy will be, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. But it's okay. If you believe you know what is the will of God and what, what is good for you, and you, pray for that. Pray for it. David here said he was specific in his prayers. He said in verse 2, he says, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. It's like they sat down at a table and, and David had a book. You know, it reminds me, I think, in legal terms because that's what I do for a living. It's like he had a brief written here. And he comes up to the table and he sits down. Now, Lord, here, I, let me just, I've written this out. Let me just show you what my problems are. Let's look at it together, Lord. I poured out my complaint before him. I told him my troubles. I gave him, uh, I drew him a picture, if you will. <laughs> now, God already knew his troubles, but he likes for us to discuss them with him, you know. I know a lot of times with my children, I know what they're going through. I know the problems they're having, but I love to talk with them about it. I want them to come to me. I want them to tell me, Dad, I need to talk to you. I'm having troubles. And sometimes I can say, yeah, I knew that. How'd you know that? <laughs> well, I just did. I, I'm Dad, you know. I, I know things. <laughs> and God is God. And He's our great Dad up in heaven. <laughs> he knows everything. He wants us to discuss them with Him. He wants us to seek His face. In um, Psalm 27, verse 8, listen to this. Well, verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. This is another psalm of David. Have mercy upon me also and answer me. When thou saidest, seek my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. <laughs> In other words, God wants us to seek his face. He wants us to call upon him because he loves us. You think you love your children? You ain't got a clue what love for children is you understand how much God loves us. And then finally as we close, notice that he not only talked to God but he praised God. He praised God. David's path back to joy and fellowship began with recognizing the great power and provision that God has for his people. Look at verse 3. 
when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. You know, that comforts me. Because sometimes people, you know, I want to share with you and others that are friends of mine, say, this is what's happening in my life. But when I share it with God, He already knows. And not only does He know what I'm going through, He knows the path that I need to take. He knows, you know, sometimes I share things with people and they say, man, I'm going to be praying for you. I don't have a clue how to help you with this. But God knows our path. He knows the path that we need to take. See, God is the great problem solver. And you can capitalize that. He's the great problem, capital P, solver, capital S. He already knows our every need. You know what he says? And I love Romans chapter 8, verse so much in there. But verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. There's not a groaning you've ever had in your life and in your heart. It'll ever touch the groanings that the Spirit will make on our behalf. And that's what the model prayer says, isn't it? You know, our prayers should not just be a grocery list. Lord, I need this, I need that, I need the other. Look in Matthew chapter 6 for a minute. And I know we're going over, but we're going to close this out here in just a second. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. This is what he says. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Lord, give me what I need. Lord, give me the daily bread. Lord, give me... No, that's not where we start. That's not where we start. We start off with praise. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. God is the great God who sits on the throne high and lifted up. His train fills the temple. He's the great God and we need to acknowledge that when we go to Him in prayer. Don't just start with your grocery list of things that you need. Then we finally, after praising Him, we get down to the point where He says, please give me my daily bread and forgive me, Lord, of the things that I need to be forgiven of. You see, David began to remember God's provision, His power, His problem-solving ability, His, His providence. And when he began to remember that, he also began to move from depression and defeat to joy and victory. Verse 7, as we bring this to a close, look at what he says. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about. They weren't compassing him about right then. But I'm going to get to the point. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Notice where he ends up. He starts out, I'm crying to the Lord. I'm overwhelmed. And he ends up with victory at last. Victory at last. Lord, I know that you're going to deal bountifully with me. You know, when we get our focus off our problems and we begin to focus upon praising our God, that's the pathway to restoration. That's the pathway to coming back into fellowship with God. David began here I believe, to see God's great power as greater than any problem he would ever face or ever had faced. Now, the beauty of David, as I said, is that he doesn't always stay there, but he always comes back there. Child of God, we may not stay there. No, let me just say that we won't stay there. I'm on the mountaintop this morning. I fully expect tonight, after the, Brother Ricky comes and preaches a great message, as he usually does, that I'll be even higher up the mountain. But there's a valley out there. The, the reason there's a mountain is that there's a valley on the other side. 
you wouldn't have mountains without valleys. And valleys aren't, aren't good things. I'm not saying that. But they're, they're things we deal with every week. So I'll go back down the mountain a little bit tomorrow, and I'll start probably getting down close to that valley. And if I'm not careful, I'll end up in the valley. But the pathway back is to focus upon praising Him for His great power and remembering to talk to Him and to share our problems with Him. You know, it's so much better. The, the beauty of, of, of what He sent us, He sent us the Comforter. And literally that means the one who comes up beside and helps. That's literally what the Holy Spirit's name is. It's the one that comes up beside, the paraclete in, in, in Greek. He says, I'll send you the paraclete. I'll send you the comforter. He's the one that literally, it means, comes up beside and helps. That's what we need in life. Is we need that one to come up beside us and help us in our time of trouble. I trust that we'll all be encouraged by the life of David and by the fact that even though he got down in the valley, even though he ends up in the cave, in our cave experience, we can be like David and we can come out of it and praise him even better on the other side. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.